0: Welcome to the C3 Camden podcast. For more information about our church, please visit www.c3camden.church. We are so thrilled that you're listening today, and we hope you enjoy the message. I just want to reiterate what she said, however, it's a great privilege to be here. Uh, Rowan and Jill and Paul and Edwina are the neatest people, and uh, Terry and Ivana down at, um, Ivana down at uh, Picton uh, just just great. Um, we've just so loved our time with you guys this weekend. would have to say without a shadow of a doubt that your lead pastors are, are the, amongst the most generous people we've ever met and hospitality on steroids, big time. So we feel very, very spoiled and very, very loved. So thank you so much for your warm welcome, Church C3 Camden. So here we are in the middle of New South Wales somewhere where it seems to have stopped raining today. We do lament in Adelaide that you guys, when you have these... East Coast Lowe's giving you a hammering, we actually don't get any rain for months in Adelaide. You still are all. Just think about it as theft, okay? It's... Yeah, I'm sure you are. Anyway. So apparently you've been looking in the Book of Acts and uh, I've just got a little bit of my spin on the, the start of the Book of Acts and bringing a message to you today about what I see in the first couple of chapters that I hope will help you in your journey with God, wherever that might be, whether it's um, something that you're thinking about starting, whether you're interested in pursuing who God is and what God's got for you, whether you are a Christ follower already and are following him and loving life, or whether you're kind of, and or wondering, what's the next chapter look like? I think the beginning of the book of Acts gives us a few tips on actually what to do uh, and when to do it. And so this message has got three specific points and I just want to get straight into it. One thing I want to start with by saying is that the Bible is a book about essentially two things, God and people. Probably not much more than that in in, in a nutshell. And what's something that we need to be reminded of, I think, again and again, and because the stories in the Bible are complicated. There's complicated stories of violence and abuse and In the old testament things we'd call genocide in this day and age and you kind of go well how's god's hand and all that stuff and i think the bible doesn't shy away from a lot of that human interaction for the very reason that we need to read it today and in some respects human nature has not and will not change without an encounter with god and so as we engage with the bible we get a glimpse of us a very clear picture of who we are and who we could be and who we will remain being if we don't actually engage with God through faith in Christ. So I want to say this, number one, not my first point, but number one thing to think about, God loves people. He loves you. It's not a matter of opinion. In my opinion, it's actually a statement of what the Bible is in essence, all about God revealing that from the very get go, when he created people in his image, he was determined that we would be with him forever. And, the story of the Garden of Eden is an account of how that got corrupted and how, at the moment, we still live in that corrupted state until we actually get an encounter with Jesus Christ. So please remember this. More than anything else I say this afternoon, God loves you. Okay? God, God loves you. It's not a negotiable. It's a fact. <clears throat> and uh, I, I stand on that very strongly. So the book of Acts, let's get to that. This is um, an account of Stuff that the disciples got up to after Jesus has died, been buried, raised from the dead and headed back to heaven to sit alongside his father. In the first chapter, we read this incredible little sentence in Acts chapter 4 verse 1. On one occasion, indicating that there was more than one occasion when he met with them, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. It wasn't a suggestion. And sometimes... You and I, in our desire to be able to choose freely, don't like the tone of a command. Do this, do that. We kind of like to think that we've got a little bit more space in the Western world to choose our own, own, um, make our own choices. Some of the dynamic of complexity around the COVID restrictions and all of the stuff to do with that was the reality that there were government edicts that were commanding us to do things and you know, some people just go that's, that's what the rules are we're doing it i'm happy with that and other people are up in arms and flapping their wings like old chooks and uh, getting getting upset upset jesus gives commands and this this is one of them he says do not leave jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised which you've heard me speak about and as i was reading that preparing this message for you i became a, aware of a couple of things and a question that came sort of screaming into my heart was, Bruce, how are you in the arena of waiting? And just a little heads up, I, I would, Julie would I think testify that I'm actually a pretty patient guy, a patient, I was a patient dad most of the times. I'm a patient pastor with people most of the time. <clears throat> However, I do have an Achilles heel. It's called the queue, as in the queue you stand in or the queue you get in in the car. The queue at the traffic lights, the queue at the airport. Thank the Lord I don't live in Sydney trying to go on a domestic or international flight anywhere at the moment. I tell you I would be maniacal (laughs) by the time I got to check my bags and I reckon. It's like, that's just me, a little heads up on my Achilles heel. What about you? How are you in the arena of waiting when there's something you actually want? When we live in a microwave world, where we just push the button and the thing's cooked in an instant, we just want it now. We've got technology in our hands. You want to know the answer to any question on any fact, you just Google it. Even if, <clears throat> if I asked you a question on a topic that you knew nothing about, without any notice this afternoon, um, most of the people under 30 would just get their phones out. The guys my age and over think, oh, I'll look that up when I get home on the computer. But, because even though my Handheld devices probably superior in its computing power. Anyway, you get my point. We we're very used to being able to do things really quickly. And one of the most annoying things about God, there are a number of things that annoy me about God. This is one of them. <laughs> He's in the business of making us wait. It's just a matter of waiting. Like, why did Jesus not come at the end of the story of the Book of Genesis after they tripped over? Well, like, I like got God. Why didn't Jesus just come then? Saw the problem we would have had the blood of Jesus from the get-go instead of that we had the blood of thousands of people all over the place all over the world for a few thousand years we had people getting yeah anyway you know what I'm talking about <clears throat> but God's got a purpose in his waiting he always has you and I can't always see it but I want to say to you stepping through your life the next season of your life will involve moments when God's encouraging you to or commanding you to wait it's not just a stop to be annoying. It's actually a waiting with a purpose. And that leads us on to my next point uh, in a moment about gathering. But as you ponder your response to waiting, I want to just give you this little heads up that, that sort of popped into my head, um, looking at this closely for this message. And I, I, re, I was reminded as I read about the word, um, but wait for my gift of Isaiah 40. 29 to 31. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I just wondered, because you and I, I, I don't want to be offensive to anybody, if you're not Jewish, i um, here, I'm talking to you. But most of us are not Jewish by practice don't connect the Old Testament well to the, Old, the New Testament, to the Old Testament. I'd put it to you, it's a fair chance those disciples when they heard Jesus use that word, wait, they were back in Isaiah chapter 40 realising that God does something when we wait and that is renews us. You've got to remember, they're hiding from the authorities. They're fearing for their lives. They're confused about what happened with Jesus. They're wondering, what happened to our political takeover of the Roman Empire? What happened to us taking the kingdom of God by force for God against the oppressors around us? All of the things that we can sometimes think is what God's called us to, God's just telling them, no, you wait and get your strength back. Sometimes it's just the right thing to do is to wait. Um, But the next step is equally important and it cannot be untethered from it, and that is the issue of gathering. More than anything, I think the season of COVID, with lockdowns, lockouts, um, working from home, homeschooling, online learning, we've taken things to doing things on our own, just in isolation. We're okay with that. We can zoom in, we can make phone calls, we can operate our world online. Excuse me. Online church, Zoom meetings, etc., have all added pressure to us to stop gathering together. So I thank God you're here this afternoon. I'm so grateful that you decided to come and gather. And I'm not having to go at you. If you're online watching this afternoon or a little later on, and the only reason that you're doing that is because you can't be here, I go, we are so blessed you've joined us. But at the end of the day, let me challenge you, as a Christ follower, brother in the Lord, If you've got no real reason to not be gathering here, why don't you start? If you're sitting out there in online land with no real impediment to being in church, make a decision in the next little while, the next month or two, I'm going to get back on the bike, so to speak. Can you pass more water up, please? frog in my throat, but it's decided time to turn up. He wasn't going to wait for anybody. That was supposed to be a joke, but anyway. I did tell the leaders yesterday, didn't I say that to the leaders I'm pretty lousy at telling jokes? (laughs) Case in point. Anyway, It's all good, right? Oh dear. So, gathering. So, the the next little bit of the story turns up in the next chapter, Um, where in two one to four in Acts where we are, we read this. When the day of Pentecost came, that's the message in itself. When the day of Pentecost, like I said, why did the day of Pentecost have to be 50 days later? Like, why couldn't it just be the next day? Um, God's got a purpose in delaying things from our point of view so that they happen in his time, not our time. But when the day of Pentecost came and it did come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting and they saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and rested on them. All of them were filled with the Spirit. Gathering is about God moving on us. So waiting is not about you and me withdrawing from fellowship and waiting for God to do something in us by ourselves only. It could be that. There's a really immense amount of purpose in our personal devotional life, prayer life, reading the Bible by ourselves. But it needs to be in footstep with, it needs to be in sync with us having fellowship that we're a part of. And so here at C3 Camden, it's really important to not only be attending a church service on a Sunday afternoon, you have got, now what are we calling them here? Gatherings, is that across the board? The rules, connect groups, we call them connect groups. Parkside calls them dinner parties. C3 Camden calls them... Gatherings. Can we hear that again? Gatherings. Gatherings. So gatherings, what a great name for what we're talking about. There's a need for us to understand the power of gathering. Gathering, sometimes when we're broken, um, sometimes when we're really feeling like we've, we've either messed up and we're ashamed... Um, It can be a combination of those things. We can withdraw ourselves from people because it's the last thing we want to do. But I want to encourage you that these afraid, ashamed, intimidated disciples decided to gather. They decided to wait and gather together to pray and God showed up with an incredible amount of power. And so they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I read an article just about... Isolation this last week by a Professor Emeritus John Carroll from the La Trobe University, who wrote in The Australian, The online university is a cruel, destructive place. And he talked about the elimination of the teacher as a living presence in the lecture hall and the seminar room as being problematic for him. He said the role of the teacher has been devalued. The universities were quick to embrace online learning. It did so well, it did so well in advance of COVID. It wasn't just a response to COVID, it actually was a management decision to save money. He talks about the fact that in that time um, the academic mix of staff went from twenty percent admin to a, and eighty <coughs> percent academic to fifty percent, well over fifty percent non-academic, with most of the academics and most of the universities in Australia now part-time. He made the comment that it, it's a Uh, So the whole notion of learning by yourself at home is about knowledge, but his point is there's actually something you don't get on an online course at home behind the computer screen that you get engaging with somebody in the seminar class that you really don't like. (laughs) Or listening to a lecturer raving on about some topic and going off on their little whatever it is and you're sitting there and the blood's starting to boil and you, you can actually get the atmosphere rather than just the information off the screen there's something about the live deal which you could could insert the word church into some of what he's saying here my point is church is meant to rub you up the wrong way sometimes church is meant to embrace you and hug you when you're broken it's meant to slap you in the head when you're being an idiot it's meant to have the capacity to say things like you know what there's a better day coming even when you can't see it or feel it the church gathered has the power to do all that <clears throat> rather than it just being listening to more Stephen Furtick messages on YouTube or whoever else is your hero in the preaching realm. It's like we've all got people we can listen to. <coughs> Excuse me. But we've got people that um, are sitting next to you in church that are ordained by God because you're part of this C3 Camden community. They've got the gift of giving you what you might need. I've said to people before, and I've mentioned this in our own church many times over the years, that there's gold that God, uh, treasures like gold, that God puts into every one of us. Sometimes we like to think that's for us, but I'm of the view nearly always the treasure that's in me is for somebody else. And part of the deal of gathering is that the gold that's in me is meant to be given to you. And vice versa. The gold that's in you... I need to get from you, and I'm not going to get it if I'm just kind of at the other end of a phone call. I might, but we're much more likely to have an exchange of the treasure that's in us when we're in relationship. Amen? And so he finishes up this thing on online university by saying it's at risk of compounding individual isolation and the anomic sense that the world is a lonely, unsupported place. Online church could have the unintended um, outcome of that for some people as well. Do you think that's a fair comment? Give me a yes, yeah. no, or no, you're talking rubbish, Pastor Bruce. I do apologise to my little tickly throat. <clears> throat. Been talking too much today, haven't I? Yes, okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, is an interesting verse. One of the ones I go back to this many, many times in this arena of gathering where God declares the very first thing in his account of creation in the book of Genesis, the first thing to be declared not good is for man. Let's just be non-gender exclusive here. It's not good for people to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. It's not wrong to be alone, but actually it's not going to be good for you long term. We're actually meant to be in relationship with other people. So we need to gather However, it is not an end game. Being in church, being at gatherings, is like, oh, I'm doing my duty as a Christ follower. Pastor Rowan and Jill are going to be so happy with me because I'm doing what I kind of need to do. It's like, no, it's not that. It's great that you do, and I really want you to do it, but as a means to an end. You say, really? What's the end? Well, let me tell you. What is the end? It's to go and tell. Like, you and I... charged with the go command go and make disciples of all nations jesus said at the end of the book of matthew and so we got this incredible um, step process here outlined in the first couple of chapters of acts wait gather go and tell so we are waiting and gathering so that we can go and tell don't try and go to tell you if you're empty if you're kind of broken if you're broken down, if you're worn out, if you run out of puff, if you haven't had a holiday for a while, if you're not fellowshipping with God honestly really well, you know, just reading the Bible's like, oh boy, that's boring as. praying's like, oh, why do I bother? Nobody's listening. You've got to be, I think you've got to be brutally honest with yourself and realise that if you're in a broken state with that, get some help. Like the pastors are here. So that's what pastors do. We help people, hopefully we help people, to actually restore their walk with Jesus and or put you into connection with someone else in the church here at Camden that can walk alongside you long term and go, I'll help you with that. I'd love to help you just get more in step with what God's got for you because God loves you. God's got a purpose for your life. He's got a deal for you as in this life. There's no doubt about it. And so we go into the latter part of chapter 2 and reread this where Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. <clears throat> Notice there's a crowd. He was happy to stand up and talk to the crowd, but not everybody was happy with what he said. Not everybody received it, but thousands did. Many, many people did. And so it got me thinking about, well, which ones would have been responding positively to what he said? And the word curiosity strikes me as an important word to have in this part of this message. Um, as a guiding... Um, what's the word looking for? Yeah, for? It's not even... It's a, it's a, just as a tip about what you can do with your time. Because your time is as precious as the next person's. You've only got as many minutes in your life as God's given you. Whatever that might be. So I don't know about you, but I've decided at 64, I'm not going to be mucking around wasting too much more of my time because I'm getting very conscious of the fact that I'm closer to the end than to the beginning. I don't think I'll live in 120 years. So I've just been totally, I kind of go, I don't want to muck around wasting my time doing something that's not going to do anything. And so I'm on the prowl in my circle of influence for the curious ones. The people I know that are curious about my faith, curious about my behaviour and cues, hopefully it's improving, curious about my recovery from shock or horror or death or disease or some unexpected tragedy in life people that you know are watching you and they will be some people will be curious and your story that you get together when you're waiting and gathering and being empowered is the story that can help them find Jesus and be transformed by their encounter with him as well and so in the next chapter, chapter three, there's straight away, after Peter addresses the crowd, the very next chapter is a little story about Jesus, I mean, about Peter and John meeting this dude who's a, who's a cripple, lame guy, outside the Gate Beautiful in Jerusalem. And they're walking past him and he's crying out, Come on, give me something, give me something, give me something. And they go, We have got nothing in the way of gold and silver to give you, but what we do have, we will give you. What they gave him was what they had received while they waited and they gathered so let me pray with you as in the closing this afternoon lord today i pray that as we have gathered in this place and i pray for those who maybe because they knew before this message was preached they had the discipline in their life to wait on you and come into church prepared come into church with an attitude of i'm going to let the spirit of god get a hold of me in church today and Lord, that you speak into our hearts. Lord, that you turn the lights on to the friends and family members that we all do life with who are curious about our faith, who at the moment don't know you. And I pray, Lord, that you would make us bold, Lord, but also resourced to actually bring a miracle, to bring a word of hope, to bring a word of encouragement, to bring a word of change to those people that you've gathered around our lives. Thank you, Lord in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Why don't you just uh, stand to your feet for a moment and just where you stand, close your eyes. God, we just thank you for this time together this afternoon. Pray for my friends, new friends here in C3 Camden. Lord, that you'd pour out your anointing, your spirit on every one of us. And Lord, we'd be aware in a fresh sense of the word of your anointing, guiding us, directing us prompting us to share our faith and that can sound very christianism what i mean by that is share your experience of god lord i pray that that experience which would be different in every one of us would be life-giving to somebody in the next couple of weeks not months and years But Lord, we'd have an encounter with somebody who's a curious friend or family member in the next few weeks that unlocks their world, sets them on course to have a moment like that crippled guy did by the gate beautiful, where he had his walk restored, where he had his inclusion in the family of faith restored, where he had been excluded because he was unclean and not perfect in the bodily sense of the word restored to being someone who could walk, skip and jump into the house of God. So help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message from our church. We pray that you feel empowered by what you've heard today. We hope that you can stay connected by following us online. You can find us at C3 Camden on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube or visit our website at www.c3camden.church You always will